If you grew up in Israel at the time of King David, then your life was pretty much dominated by Old Testament laws. It was the law that was given to the people of Israel from Mount Sinai when Moses went up and took those stone tablets. There were, of course, the Ten Commandments, you know, the ones about do not murder, do not commit adultery, no bearing false witness. But there are also other laws about what you could and couldn't do, laws that explained who you could and couldn't marry, uh, laws about the length of your hair, the type of material that your clothes could be made from, laws about getting rid of mildew. And the law was a good thing. It demonstrated that God was interested in every aspect of the lives of his people. But the problem that crept in with the old covenant was that old legalism thing. People who want to do exactly what the letter of the law says, but fail to do what the law intended. Or worse, to just do the minimum that, that the law required and thinking that you'd done your bit. And that's what things had deteriorated to by the time of Jesus. So at the beginning of Matthew's Gospel, we see Jesus standing up on top of a mountain, just as Moses had done, and announcing the new covenant. And it won't be like the old covenant. God had promised even back in the Old Testament that there would be a new covenant. This is what it says in the book of Jeremiah. This is the covenant that I'll make with the people of Israel at that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man, no, no longer will they teach their neighbour or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. A new covenant built not around laws, but around changed hearts and a personal relationship with God. A covenant that comes with the Holy Spirit. Jesus opened up the Sermon on the Mount with those first 16 verses, what we call the Beatitudes, who the blessed people are. But have a look at the very next thing that he says. Verse number 17 of, chapter, of Matthew chapter 5. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law and the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Now, it's not surprising that Jesus felt the need to say that. I mean, the start of the Sermon on the Mount sounded like he was abolishing a whole bunch of things. But he says that he hasn't come to abolish those things. He's come to fulfill them to complete them, to give them what the old covenant was pointing towards. Jesus is what the Old Testament was leading up to. Why would he want to abolish the very thing that points to him, that explains who he is and what it is that he's come to do? Jesus is the fulfilment of all of the things that God promised in the pages of the Old Testament. And he's come to bring in this new covenant. Jesus drops a bit of a bombshell there in verse number 20. And when you see what it means to be a part of the kingdom, it says that your righteousness needs to surpass that of the Pharisees. I'm sure the people who heard Jesus say that would have been thinking, you have got to be kidding. I mean, these were the most righteous guys in the whole community. How in the world are we ever going to outdo them? And it's true, the Pharisees were people who kept the law, 
I mean, right down to the very last letter, right down to the smallest detail. But that was the problem. They were so focused on keeping the letter of the law, they failed to do what the law required. Worse than that, they failed in their relationship with God. Take the Sabbath, for example. Uh, The law said that you weren't to work or travel on the Sabbath. It was a day that you were to to devote to your relationship with God. But the Pharisees managed to figure out a way to make it possible to travel on the Sabbath. Uh, There was a distance thing. You weren't allowed to go a certain number of stadia on the Sabbath. That was like metres or kilometres. But the Pharisees came up with a little tweak to the rules They said that it was actually okay to move between your own property on the Sabbath. So if I had to travel somewhere on Saturday, well, what I did was on Friday, I'd walk that journey and I'd pop a box of matches here and a coffee cup there and a handkerchief over there. And I'm only moving between my property on the Sabbath. And that was perfectly all right as far as they were concerned. So Jesus is not calling for a a letter of the law, righteousness. He's not looking for some kind of outward superficial righteousness. He's calling for righteousness that goes all the way to the heart. It's an amazing section. Jesus points us to these laws and talks about changed hearts. He puts these things before before his followers, followers, not as new legalism, but a new challenge to live in a heartfelt relationship. Now, there's a bit of a pattern here. We've got six statements from Jesus, and they all kind of start pretty much the same way. It says, you have heard it said to the people long ago, and then it quotes something from the pages of the Old Testament. A couple of times it actually quotes from the Ten Commandments themselves. You've heard it said, gives the Old Testament quote, and then he says, but I say to you, Can you imagine that would have sounded like if you were listening to Jesus? That he's just quoted the Ten Commandments, for goodness sake, and now he's saying, but I say to you. Do you see the authority that Jesus is claiming for himself here? I think people often make a big mistake when they look at this this section and think that Jesus is just taking some of those Old Testament laws and then cranking them up just a notch. But that's not what he's doing. He's fulfilling the law and the prophets. He's bringing in this new covenant. Let's have a look at uh, what he has to say. Uh, Let's start by looking at uh, the the one about murder. Uh, Verse 21. You've heard it said to the people long ago, do not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. I think most people here today are probably going to make it to the end of their life. Some of the people with younger children, juries might still be out, but my kids are all grown up now, so it's highly likely I'll make it to the rest, through the rest of my life without murdering anybody. But do you see what Jesus is saying here? I wonder how many of us would be able to say that we've never been angry with anyone. Jesus changes the focus from the outward external thing to the inward attitude thing. What's happening in your heart? 
and we're not to be angry with others. Jesus does the same thing when it comes to talking about adultery, another one of the Ten Commandments, verse 27. Not only is it wrong to commit adultery, it's wrong to look lustfully at someone. God's not simply concerned about your outward actions. He's equally concerned about what's going on in here, what your heart is like. Now, let me stress this again. Jesus isn't replacing one set of laws with another set of laws. That's not what he's come to do. He's not trying to upgrade the Ten Commandments, just kind of kick them up a little bit higher. I want you to notice something interesting in what he says about those two things of anger and lust. He's taken the Ten Commandments and kind of said, no, you you need to do better than that. See, the interesting thing is, it's not a law that he's giving us. Well, it's not a policeable law. How are you going to know if someone's angry with you? How are you going to know if someone is thinking lustful thoughts? You can't. It's not policeable. It's not a law. And that's the point that Jesus is making. Being part of Jesus' kingdom is not about doing the minimum that the law requires. It's not about living out some superficial righteousness that's just skin deep. It's about having a righteousness that goes all the way to the heart. Pharisees were the legal experts back in Jesus' day. They knew God's law inside and out. Not only did they know the law, but they knew how to get around the law. Jesus gives four examples of of, uh, rules that they have managed to twist. Uh, Verse 32, he talks about divorce. It was possible to divorce your wife for a whole range of things, even simply just not enjoying her cooking anymore, permitted to be able to divorce your wife. Taking oaths was another one. This was, this was one that's really hard to get your head around. But back in Jesus' day, when you took an oath, if you swore by Jerusalem when you made your oath, well, you weren't obliged to keep that one. That was like I had my fingers crossed kind of oath that you were taking there. But if you swore toward Jerusalem, then you were absolutely bound to keep that promise, to keep that oath that you had made. So what did Jesus say? All you, verse 37, all you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. The Old Testament made provision for eye for an eye, but by Jesus' day it was justification for revenge. When it was given in the law, it was meant as a restriction on what people could do. Loving your enemies, Jesus says. Leviticus, the Old Testament law, said that they were to love their neighbours. And Jesus adds this nice little twist of saying that you actually need to love your enemies. You need to love those people who hate you. Genuine righteousness goes all the way to the heart and to your attitudes. If you look at this section and think that Jesus has just upgrading the law, then you've missed the point completely. Jesus is bringing in a new covenant, a covenant where people will live faithfully in a relationship with God. Genuine righteousness is not about doing the minimum that the law requires. Jesus expects righteousness that will go all the way 
to the heart, a righteousness that exceeds that of the Pharisees. Now the problem that Jesus is addressing here is a problem we can still have in churches today. There are people today who think that the Christian life is just a matter of keeping a few rules, that if I do that, then I've met the requirements that God has put before us. The Pharisees identified that there were 248 laws and 365 prohibitions in the pages of the Old Testament. Keep the letter of the law and you're bound to be okay, was what they thought. Well, Jesus comes along and says, no, that's not what it is that God wants from his people. Being a Christian means living out your relationship with God. It means living like you have a relationship with God. It means loving God with all your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength and not only outward observance of those letters of the law. Jesus doesn't want his disciples to have a faith that's just skin deep and superficial. He doesn't want his followers to have a reputation for legalism. Christianity can't be boiled down to a list of rules. It's about living faithfully in your relationship with God. Being a Christian is about having a heartfelt relationship with God, not letter-perfect legalism. Being a Christian is about knowing God personally and then living like you know him. 